Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I made a decision. I was quitting my job and I was doing this. I met Jess on a shoot. I was watching her do brows. We were just talking about like, this product that needed to happen. I was like, I wonder if Jess wants to launch a business. Yeah. And I sent her an email like, hey, really random. I know we were talking about this idea the other day. Do you want to start a business? No worries if not. <laughs> <laughs> no worries if not. Kiss. And I was like, well, this is just disaster. We're launching a product and we rebranded the company in a pandemic and it just blew up. We couldn't even get the stock. The morning I got announced, I got like emails of all of our retailers. We had about like half a million pounds of purchase orders cancelled within two hours. Today we're going on a journey, guys. We're going on a journey behind the scenes of Instagram's, TikTok's, social media's viral brand, Refi. I talked to Jenna Meek about the journey building the brand. She is the co-founder and she talks in depth about how the brand came about, the obstacles they've had, the things that they completely scrapped and changed before even launching and just how crazy the journey has been. I mean, after this conversation, it is so clear to me how much of an entrepreneurial spirit Jenna has. I mean, she is clearly a natural born risk taker, but at the same time is maybe not quite a perfectionist. She says that she's a perfectionist, but I would say that she clearly gets things done as well. And I think that's really, 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 really important. Otherwise, you're just never going to have any products. And watching Refai take over Instagram and TikTok and the whole of social media has been such a pleasure. And I think that Everyone who's seen the brand, which is probably everyone listening to this podcast, will see just how well brand can be done when it's done right. Her and Jess have done so fantastically well in terms of making this a beauty brand that's going to last and a beauty brand that's going to take over. So I hope you enjoy this episode, seeing the behind the scenes of Refai in all of its glory from beginning to now and looking at what the future holds for them. Jenna Meek is a Manchester-based entrepreneur and CEO whose passions for all things beauty led her to creating two powerhouse beauty brands. And when I say powerhouse, I mean powerhouse. Her latest venture is as co-founder and CEO at Refai, Instagram's hottest and most disruptive beauty brand, famous for its three-step brow collection, which became an overnight social media sensation. Jenna launched her first business, Shrine, formerly Gypsy Shrine, from her bedroom in Manchester. A brand born out of the festival culture in 2016, Jenna set up a cosmetic glitter and gem business initially bought and sold in festival tents around the country. However, within two years, Shrine saw worldwide success, hosting residencies at festivals including Under the Stars and Coachella and being stocked at global brand Topshop. After creating an entire line of festival gems and starting the glitter boob movement, Jenna relaunched Shrine to sell creative hair products and dyes. Most notably, Jenna created the world's first line of reusable semi-permanent hair drops that work when mixed with ordinary conditioner to produce a colour customised to you. In November 2020, Jenna launched her second beauty brand, Refi, with model and influencer Jess Hunt. Launching with innovation at its core, Refi's first product, the Brow Sculpt, was revolutionary selling out within six weeks and becoming a firm fan favourite. 
After expanding its product range to include lip liners, blush and primers, Refi is now stocked in Selfridges and Sephora across the UK, US and Canada and has online customers worldwide. The brand has also captured the attention of celebrities including Bella Hadid and Shay Mitchell and makeup artists Patrick Tarr and Hugo Van Gogh. They've since sold more than 2.5 million products with more than 8 million visitors to their website and a 50 million pound valuation. Today, Jenna shares her story of how she engineered one of Instagram's favorite beauty brands and made Refai defy the odds of entrepreneurial success. So thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me. For people who either don't know you or kind of haven't seen your entire career trajectory, could you just give us like a little whistle-stop tour of your career from beginning to now? Definitely. So I went to Manchester Met, studied international fashion marketing. On my placement year, I went to New York, worked at Hugo Boss in the marketing department. Amazing. Um, Came back, finished uni, went to London, went down a product development route, worked for Christopher Rayburn, a menswear designer in product development, then went to Amelia Wickstead, um, doing like production development, kind of the whole bit there, and then moved to Burberry, product developer. Um, And then 2016, I quit to have a fun summer, and that was then the Gypsy Shrine, and then Fast forward seven years. We sound like we have some similarities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a bit fun of fun summer ends up starting a business. Yeah, and then, yeah, did the Gypsy Shrine 2016, rebranded 2019 to Shrine, and then 2020 launched Refi with Jess. At the beginning, was your dream to be in, was it kind of the fashion side in particular? Yeah, I think so. I mean... Uh, again, you get thrown into university so soon. I mean, mm. I was youngest in the year, so what, 19? No, not even, like 16 when you choose. What, what do you even choose? 16 when you choose what you want to go and do, or 17? Yeah. When you choose yeah, what you yeah, want to yeah, do at uni. And I was like, I had no idea, just fashion. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I thought, oh, I'll go and do that. Did that at uni, liked it. Now, yeah, I did want to go down the fashion route, and I love that side of things. And then I went into like product development. I was like, oh, this is cool, like making mm. stuff. So I think that was kind of my call in like the product development side of things i love being in fashion i loved i love being at the small businesses though i love right. being at chris Raymond. i love being at Amelia wickstead because like i was saying you just so Im- you feel you're so important and mm. so needed within that company and then i went to a big business and of course it, you can't operate as a big business like that and i just didn't have the same passion we it's so funny because we often have people joining tala and what people say when they've kind of come from those bigger businesses that have obviously originally, I guess, been part of their like dream jobs to get into those places, coming to somewhere smaller where you not only like mean a lot and like all of that, it's the amount of work you put in versus the reward you get is really visibly seen, Mm -hmm. which like a lot of people have kind of said within their first few weeks, they're like, oh, it's crazy. Like I do something and then I actually see it, (laughs) which actually obviously in a bigger company isn't necessarily always the case. Definitely. And I, I don't get me wrong, big companies are definitely for some people Mm -hmm. and small companies are definitely for other people. I think it just completely depends on what you like. And we've had people come, they're like, this isn't the right place for me. And I'm like, yeah, you probably need to be at a big corporation that has got it all sorted because we're still scrambling, we're still figuring it out. And unless you're adaptive to change and and it isn't the right place for you, and that is fine. Do you know what I mean? I think people so worry about not leaving a job and that it's like not every place is going to be the right place for you i think also what we don't realize is like just how many jobs and types of companies there are out there like when you're at school you think there's like five possible jobs that you could be in and then actually getting into the workforce you're like oh my god there's so much and so many different types of the exact same job that can kind of play to your strengths as well so when you kind of first went into fashion from the time that you started shrine how long was that about four years Mm -hmm. three years 
So that fun summer, you'd taken time off, was that just to be able to have a bit of a break, go travelling? Um, no, that was just that start of the Gypsy Shrine. Um, so it was all planned, it was all ready to go, but I didn't Amazing. think it would actually become right. a business. I was like, I'm literally going to do some festivals, literally have some fun, and then I'll get a real job again in September. That was like my plan. And then it was just the year where Instagram was just starting. It was like, right. what's happening with TikTok now, what's happening with Instagram back mm -hmm. then? It was just, you were going viral. People just, you were waking up and we had like 20, 30,000 likes on pictures. And I was like, whoa, I didn't like, <laughs> we weren't even thinking about content. Content right. wasn't even a thing. You were just like taking a picture and posting it. And you were like, oh, people love this. And then we started selling the jewels. Like I started designing all that all in one jewel. And that was really cool because that wasn't really out at the time. And I'd found a factory and then started working with brands because like Selfridges, Topshop, pretty little thing all these brands I want to stock the product and it just before we I knew it, it was like it was like okay this is happening like this is, could be something <laughs> I remember because I remember seeing it absolutely blow up oh. and it was kind of in those early days it must have been like it was when I was just I guess starting mm -hmm. out and obviously was using Instagram as a main tool and I remember like me and all of my friends seeing it which is so so cool where do you think that entrepreneurial drive kind of came from in terms of, you know, just thinking, I'm going to stop my current job, start a new business and then get back into work and after the summer. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, looking back now, I just, nothing phased me back then. Mm. Like, I literally, and I still do it now, I don't ponder on a, if I have an idea, I make it happen within a second. Yeah. <laughs> I think my partner would be like, do you want to think about this? I'm like, no, we're doing it, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I was just like, I made a decision. I was quitting my job and I was doing this and if it didn't work, I'd get another job. Like, and it was just... I just didn't make it any bigger than that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I didn't even tell my mum. I remember I rang my mum in Australia. I was like, by the way, I've quit my job. She was like, you ruined your life. <laughs> I was like, a bit extreme. Um, but I probably haven't. <laughs> but I was like, I can't just get another job. She was like, you used to get free dinners. You've ruined your life. <laughs> she used to get so free dinners funny. at Burberry. And she was like, to her, that was like the ultimate. Yeah. I was like, but it just shows that a free dinner doesn't always make you buzzing about your job. So yeah. some other factors. It is such a bold move and I think that one of the kind of beautiful things about being young and also having not gone into entrepreneurship for I think a lot of entrepreneurs looking back do just say like one of their biggest strengths was their naivety and just Definitely. being like honestly if I knew about all of the obstacles after this point then I probably would have given it like more thought but actually just yeah. being like why wouldn't I try like as in literally yeah. just as simple as that taking the fear away and just being like yeah I'm gonna try if not I'm gonna come back in a few months definitely and I think the unknown I, I actually listened to this on a podcast the other week and it was saying the unknown is so powerful and it's so true it's like not knowing how to do things everything's you can do anything like everything is a limit like now I know quite a lot so I'm like that takes six months that takes a year or before like we can make it happen tomorrow right and that is fine yeah. and like we could do a pop-up shop next week yeah let's figure it out now it's like okay like there's a big process we have to do all this it's like now we know the process it strips the fun a little bit when right. you don't know you can just be like yeah we can get that celebrity use it i'll dm her yeah and you're like you just you just make it happen like you don't know you just the unknown is powerful so i think don't worry about knowing everything because the less you know is actually good because you just you're a bit of naive and you need naivety do you yeah. know what i mean you need naivety to just be like I can do it, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that, the original idea for Shrine or the Gypsy Shrine as it was at the time, what was that when you kind of thought, oh, I'm going to go and do these festivals? Was it supplying glitter? Was it doing the artistry? Yeah, it was literally just painting people. Like mm -hmm. I used to do body paint on the side and that was kind of my passion. I went did like the World Body Paint Championships in Austria. Oh, I didn't amazing. actually compete there, but I was just there and I, yeah. I saw it all. And I remember just being like, I love this. When I was in New York, I used to work for an artist on an evening at this body painting place. And I remember just thinking like, this is, how do I make this my life? <laughs> um, and that was kind of my goal 
but yeah, there was no plan with the Gypsy Shrine. There was no brand. There was no purpose. We had, there was no plan. There was mm -hmm. nothing. It was just like, I'm having fun. Yeah. And that's it. Which like, is so, so cool. How, how great for that to turn into yeah. something so, you know, incredible Definitely. now. And then it was a few years from that point. Is that mm. right? Until it got up to the kind of pandemic point, which mm -hmm. is probably, I assume, quite terrifying for you as a festival kind of supply. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, we hadn't launched Refi yet. I was obviously, we were in the process of starting to look at launching Refi, but we hadn't launched it. I had a team. We were starting to hire people for the potential launch of Refi six months down the line. And then I got a call. I was looking and watching the news one day. I actually think I had COVID myself because I was off for a week and I was just so right. ill. And I was just watching the news and I was like texting the girls at work like, oh my God, this is crazy. And they were like, yeah, yeah no, it's not a big deal. Because like when you watch the news, you absorb it, don't you? And then... The morning I got announced, I got like emails of all of our retailers. We had about like half half a million pounds of purchase orders cancelled within two hours. Like we had the stock there, it was ready to go. That was the money that was going to kind of ride us through the summer, pay for all of our staff, pay for the business. Do you know what I mean? Like wholesale for us is was a big yeah. driver. Dot com was also a driver, but like wholesale was massive. And also just you guarantee that money, you know what you can do in terms of infrastructure yeah. and everything. I was like, oh my God, I was like, we're FC UK. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally like, what do we do? And I remember just like being like, God, I've got staff here I need to protect. I was like, you could only furlough people if they'd be within the company six months. Half my staff had only just probably started in the last three months. So, and I was like, I'm not letting anyone go. I was like, we'll figure this out together. Yeah. We ended up reducing everyone's salaries um, like flat. 20% across the board. I was like, if right. I do this, guys, we are in it together. We all get to stay. Um, everyone was really supportive. Everyone went for it. And luckily, I mean, insane, two months, a month after we launched Drop It, and I was like, well, this is just a disaster. We launched a product in a, and we rebranded the company in a pandemic. And it just blew up. Like, because it, just, it was hair dye, is that yeah, right? It was like, we just launched hair dye. Which is a place dye. to be in. Was that already the plan before the pandemic came? Yeah, but it was just going to be like another little product that we, it probably, well, I mean, someone thought, was looking out for you. Yeah, <laughs> that was my Annie up there, definitely. I was like, yeah. oh my God. And yeah, I mean, when we first launched it, the pandemic, I think it was maybe in the first few weeks, we sold like three pink, two purple. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, like this will just be a little back burner product. Right. And then like we were selling. 500 pink 1000 purple and it was just like what is happening like we couldn't even get the stock and it was just like it was just incredible like to think that we almost could, like could have walked away from the business right and to be honest the business would have been shut down if it wasn't for drop it and then we just did a complete rebrand we we're like here's the future let's actually build a proper strategy let's go for it <laughs> that's wild and i feel like when you look back at those things it's kind of like huh like <laughs> that really happened and yeah. we actually managed to kind of like get through that and to have something in your back pocket I guess that was Definitely. you were just able to really lean into is just I mean it's insane I mean it's a huge amount of credit to you as well for diversifying even before that point I can imagine that moment where you started watching the news and kind of having those purchase yeah. orders cancelled that must have just been absolutely terrifying yeah I remember I think it's a picture I'm just I think I even put like a cry for help for a story like I don't even remember just being in tears, like, what do I even do? And then luckily one of the girls that I, I knew through Pretty Little Thing, she, like, must have seen my story and just was like, we're not cancelling it, we're still going to stick by you. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Um, so she really helped. But it was just, yeah, just absolutely insane that you can just, we could have just shut down overnight, like, and that is the risk. You know, that's a risk you're running 
whenever you've got a business, like mm -hmm. it could, something could happen, you could shut down overnight and mm. it's like petrified. <laughs> and it's all well and good, everyone being like, oh, diversify, diversify. But actually like with a product business, you don't want to be diversifying too much. Like you don't mm. want to diversify so that if any world thing happened, you'd be fine. Because also mm. then you don't have the amount of focus that you really need as a business to be able to have, you know, your core mission and your why and all of those things for like the reason people come to you. Obviously having that in line, and it's obviously a product that makes sense with the business as well. Is just, I mean, just so great like thank, thank yeah. god you kind of had that and um from that point how did you manage to keep up with the demand of this sudden surge i guess through lockdown i assume it was people on tiktok and mm. stuff using it do you know or do you kind of know where that hair dye boost kind of came from yeah i think it was just that trend of i'm at mm -hmm. home the hair just so short we'll just do it all and figure it all out i mean i didn't even have merchandise at the time do you know what i mean we were just ordering stock and being like yeah, 5,000 looks good, sick. <laughs> then we'll be like, oh, there's no box left. We need to order more stuff. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like I at least look at so many businesses online and I'm like, God, they have it so together. Mm. And every single founder or like CEO I ever talk to is always like, oh yeah, we haven't quite figured that out. Yeah. Or like there's like, I've, I've talked to people with, you know, billion dollar companies and they're like yeah we really haven't worked that one out yet and you're like huh everyone's business behind the scene is just an absolute shit show but it's like the you know the different types of shit shows and everyone's pushing through it and actually I feel like entrepreneurship it always has to be a kind of semi shit show because you're evolving and moving that quickly that it needs to you know that's the way you kind of keep it afloat and keep making the right decisions definitely I mean you're literally I mean you've probably been in the same situation every day you're just fixing a different problem mm -hmm. like it's like today I'm fixing this problem then that will lead to another problem. <laughs> it's yep. like you just Wonder constantly evolving. Exactly. It's like it's every day is different. So when you decided to rebrand Shrine, what was the decision making process behind that? Was that scary? I can imagine having a business for a good few years before that, and then deciding to change that must have been a little terrifying. Yeah. So I think again, because when I started the Gypsy Shrine, I. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, yeah. that's for real. I had no clue. I was just like figuring this out and had just, I just had a, a lot of adrenaline mm -hmm. and there was no plan. There was nothing. And then I knew it was a trend. You know what I mean? I knew that glitter and face gels wasn't going to last forever. And I also knew it wasn't great for the planet. And mm -hmm. I think I didn't know that when I first started it, but I started to realize that through like the customer being like, Hey, do you know, this isn't good. And I was like, God, actually I'm starting something that isn't that good there. I was like, I want to be better mm. like we're all humans we learn yeah. as we go so I was like okay maybe I need to do if I'm gonna have this brand it shouldn't just be to make money it should actually to do mm. something with purpose so that's when I went down the hair dye route because it isn't just hair dye it's all about kind of eliminating wastes and hair care like one of our drop bottles is the equivalent of like 10 to even 20 single-use plastic bottles on the shelf from yeah. other brands so I was like right so I've, I found the purpose and I think that's what really helped me understand brand, understand purpose mm -hmm. and understand how to actually do this and set this up properly. And then that was like, then it all just kind of made sense from there. Yeah. Like the year before, don't get me wrong, we tried to diversify. We did fashion, we did clipping hair extensions, we had harnesses, we had random yeah. stuff and it just didn't work like our profits went down and it yeah. just didn't work. Yeah, well, I think that's what's really interesting because you look at a business at any time and you look at like, the end goal of the current time so if someone looked at refine now or shrine now you look at it and you think wow what a linear journey and I, you actually forget all of those things along the way that you would have tried i mean there's so many things that we tied tried with tala and shreddy as well that were just like that just didn't work the, yeah. the customer just didn't like and we learned and we moved on and we dealt with yeah. that and i feel like that's one of the most important things just like 
constant experimentation and testing and learning because it's always the ones where you're like I remember there was this collection a few years ago where I was like yeah it's good but it's not as good as what we need at the moment Mm -hmm. and it launched and everyone like absolutely loved it and I considered my superpower kind of like knowing what the customer Mm -hmm. will want and knowing what products are going to sell out etc etc and I just like got it completely wrong and I was just like huh this is literally why we keep experimenting because you never know when you're going to strike gold. Definitely. Every collection we launch, especially with Refire recently, and Jess is exactly the same. My, our product, um, head of product, kills us. We, we both have a men- mental breakdown beforehand. We're like, we just don't think we should do it. We just yeah. don't think we should do it. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I don't think it's right. And you're just like, you joke, we've been doing this for three years. Yeah. You loved it until yesterday and you're about to launch tomorrow. <laughs> literally like, literally like, let's like, not do it. <laughs> please, we don't really need And then to people love it. <laughs> yeah. How did the Refire partnership come about? Yeah, so Refai was actually meant to be a small side business on Shrine. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was never meant to be what it became. Um, I met Jess on a shoot. I was watching her do a browse and I was like, these look insane, but what the hell is she doing? She had like 10 products and I was like, there's a lot going on. And then we were just talking about it and we were just talking about like this product that needed to happen. And then we were just like, all right, see you later. And then the next day I was in the studio and I was just like messing around and I was like, I found this brush and I was like, this is the product we need and it needs to look like this. And then I just took it to Danielle and I was like, can you make this? And she's like, what is this? No, like, what are you doing? Can you make this? <laughs> I need to do my brows. Make me this and product. she's like, what are you on about? I was like, I don't know. Just see if you can make it. Um, because I think something cool could happen. And I was like, we definitely can't launch that with Shrine. And it's me and Jess have just been talking about it. And I was like, I wonder if Jess wants to launch a business. And I was like, right, I'm going to put together this massive presentation. I'm going to pitch it into her. And I just thought, I'm just going to email her. Yeah. And I sent her an email like, hey, really random. I know we were talking about this idea the other day. I've actually... Um, put it to my head of product and do you think she could do it? Do you want to start a business? No worries if not. (laughs) (laughs) No worries if not, yes. Yeah. Um, And then she was like, actually, yeah, I would like to. I was like, let's chat. And it just kind of evolved. And again, the pandemic really helped us in that sense because we didn't, we had a bit of branding and it, branding is one of those things that when you start in a business until now when I realise how important it mm-hmm. is it's something that you're like oh, I'll do later mm-hmm. I need to get this product and I need to set up my website and I need to do all this and, and you, you actually your branding's what's going to blow you up and it, mm-hmm. the mission the purpose everything why you're doing is the reason and we didn't have that we just had this brow sculpt where we're like this is sick yeah you know I mean we're gonna make some money this is sick um and then the pandemic happened and we're like we just looked at everything we're like what are we doing here like this actually could be we could make this big, like we mm. could turn this into a brand. We could actually do something completely different to what other people are doing in the industry. Again, very simple, like what you've just said. It was like, there's all these incredible beauty brands, but for a non-makeup artist, I'm like, eh, what yeah. do I do? How long have I got it? Oh, no, I don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, there's nothing for the, the girl, the guy who just wants to do it look like they've had their makeup done but it they did it in like five seconds and it mm. was like mean, this morning i mean i'm not saying my makeup looks brilliant no you but i did it in three minutes yeah. and I was, I was in a rush but i could and i was like everything's just so simple to use and it's like yeah. it's quick but it it creates good effects and i was like that's what we created here i i love that so much and i think we have a lot to talk about within that i think first of all there's a really big lesson in there in terms of like listening to your gut when 
product or like brand or thing is just like not quite there yet Mm -hmm. I feel like knowing as an entrepreneur that perfectionism is not possible like you can't be a perfectionist Mm -hmm. as a business owner otherwise you'll literally never get anything out Mm -hmm. there but you can have really high standards and you need to have really high standards and every time there's been a gut feeling that I'm like I just don't like the packaging or I just don't like the way you know the main sentence we're marketing it with or like any of those things anytime I've like not listened to that after it I've just been like like why did I not just like sit down it would have been an uncomfortable meeting me being like surprise we're going back to square one Mm. but like it's so important it usually takes less time than you think um and I don't think there's ever a time I've like looked back and regretted kind of putting that extra effort in um but I also think on top of that in terms of the brand mission of Refai as a whole I think anyone who's seen Refai on social media which is probably everyone who's listening to this I think can probably vouch for just how much clarity there is around what you're doing and why you're doing it and I think it is so I mean I think it's so of the time in the way people consume social media as well like with the rise of video content and the rise of like authenticity and just wanting like solution-based stuff Mm. I think it really 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 I mean it just really worked I mean you don't need to tell me me to tell you that you can see from all the sales and all of the like hype on socials right at the beginning what made you think that you clearly were right but what made you believe that you could take on such a big task yeah I mean I definitely wouldn't have done this if it was my first business, because that would have been a disaster. The only reason I did take it on is because we literally had the processes, we had the the people, um, and we we could do it, do you know what I mean? I would not have taken it on if I was like, hey, Jess, you want to start a business, but I've got, we need to like get people, we need to do everything, and I've never actually done this before, so I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I was like, I kind of get now what I'm doing a little bit, so at least we've got something. Yeah. <laughs> um, use your skills, I use my skills, we bring it together, it's something cool could happen. I just backed ourselves. Yeah. But I just think, yeah, we just, there's things that like, we, I would have changed doing it again, but then I just think you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, it yeah. might have been a flop. Yeah. And it might have been like, okay, that didn't work, let's keep going, let's try something else. But it did just blow up overnight, and we were a bit like, okay. And I think my biggest regret is not, hiring more people sooner right um but again you'll know when you first start how, how can yeah. you because you wouldn't have known it could be a flash in the pan do you know what I mean yeah. it could have been like great and then sales got all these people's mortgages yeah. relying on you exactly so you just you just don't know you learn and you go and yeah you just figure it out each day I think <laughs> yeah a hundred percent I mean it's so obviously a huge task you take on I think that when we look at influencer businesses I think there is very much this preconception that it's going to be really easy because the demand to a certain extent is going to be there and I think obviously I'll be the first person to say that like absolutely that contributes to it and that is a great start but what that also means is you need to start the business seamlessly at a point where there are potentially tens of thousands of orders Mm -hmm. and being able to go from zero to tens of thousands without you can't have a trial run of 10,000 orders just to see if they work you just need to you need to be able to start something as a well-oiled machine with no ability to test it beyond a certain extent. And like, that is a huge undertaking. Not only not knowing how much it would blow up, but also just, you know, there are going to be an initial amount of people who believe in Jess and kind of believe in the creative and are like, yeah, cool. I can, especially with um, such a good price point as well, there are going to be people who kind of, so for you to be able to start that and have it operating 
so well. I mean, it's such a testament to your work. Yeah, well, I mean, when you say so well, there's been... <laughs> it will always feel like a shit <laughs> show. Right inside, right? so well. but, um, but that's all that matters. Exactly, but there's been... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Times where we'd literally be everyone and desks would be turned into packing stations we'd be yeah. like guys stop working whatever you're working on like we'd, be, we'd literally be like right you we've got to make we'd be competition ourselves and how fast we could make a packing box do you know what i mean i'm like that's so do you know what funny I mean? we'd put the timer on and yeah. we'd be like you would and yeah. be like how many orders to go on it was just like but everyone that started with refi back in like in the early days were there for that and then yeah. we've got beautiful offices now and it's only taken two years but they saw the small office they saw yeah. the packing the boxes and everything like it's yeah, you, you, you just figure it out, don't you, and you make it happen. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. What was the timeline from you deciding to, or pitching it to Jess to launch and then actually getting to kind of the launch? Probably two years. Mm, wow, yeah, yeah, it's two, a long time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the brow sculpt development, it was like, I mean, in the beauty industry, a lot of people, you can benchmark. So like, that's how a lot of, that's why people rip people off because they'll be like, hey, make this product and then they just benchmark it. We were benchmarking off nothing. Do you right. I mean? We were building a formula and that's what we do with all of our products. We start from like a concept and um, we never benchmark. And it just takes so long because you're like, this is not what I wanted, but you're not a scientist. So it's like, you try and tell someone how to do it and you're like, oh no, start again. Yeah. So we had about 100 samples on the brow sculpt. And at one point I was like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Like, and then one day I just got a sample on my desk and I was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way it works though, isn't it? I remember like some of my first samples and like I was just trying to ask the factory to make a fucking t-shirt, like a t-shirt. And there were about 10 samples and like they were coming back and it would be like a fitted body and then like oversized t-shirt arms. And I was like, something's gone like terribly wrong here. But also like I, I have no experience in fashion. I, I'm not a designer. I'm not a garment tech. I'm not like, any. so I'd kind of go back and I'd be like, Find a t-shirt in your cupboard, <laughs> just like a normal sized t-shirt. This is what we want. Like it's, it's it, the frustration of going back and forth with factories at the oh. beginning when you have nothing to benchmark off of and you're really trying to make like a, it's so, I mean, I can imagine it so many times it would have been so tempting to just be like, right, just, yeah. just make some quote unquote normal makeup. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, oh, we could, this would be so much easier if we were just trying to be like, here's some products which one do you want like oh yeah them three fine like yeah happy days but we try and do stuff that doesn't exist and then it's yeah but you reap the rewards as well <laughs> yeah exactly. because um because you can tell that it's very much this 
the the idea that I've got from Refi through like consuming the content and seeing it online and everything is very much the solutions-based product. So selling the end use rather than like selling a product in itself, which I feel like works so well on social media at the moment, just kind of being able to be like, the the brow is what it sells you rather than like the individual product and saying kind of like use it how you want of course everyone's going to use it how they want but just being able to be like this is the blueprint adapt as you want um which is really 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 clever from the success of the brow sculpt originally had you already got your next product in the works kind of but not kind of um, mm-hmm. we had ideas but again we didn't know if this was going to be anything right so, so we were like we were just like we had i mean we'd, we'd been working on the summer skin collection alongside the brows for the two years but then after that we were like oh okay right this is actually going to happen right we need it we need a, we yeah, need a five-year right plan yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah now we've got product for the next five years it's mad but um yeah we didn't have it right and that's why we didn't launch anything from June when we launched Summer Skin to our lips because we just couldn't get lips right. It took us two and a half years of lip stuff because it just wasn't working. We were like... Oh God, insane. When was lips launched? It launched in February, so we almost went well, about 10 months without a launch. Right. Um, and again, to a brand, that's like, what are you doing? But for us, it's like, we're not chasing the cash. And I think that's why Refi is successful. We don't chase cash, we chase brand and purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd rather deliver a product that people are like, okay even if it's just one product a year yeah and that's kind of what we do and I think that's why it works where I think on trying that year when I went just wild and was like we need to make this work we don't know what we do and I was just bringing out product left right and center and nothing was selling it's like I think you think you have to bring out product all the time Mm -hmm. to like grow and scale and it's Mm -hmm. like you actually don't if that's not what you want to do so I think yeah, less is definitely more for us yeah no 100% but I can imagine also when you'd got to that point where you'd had brow sculpt and summer skin in quite quick succession I can imagine it probably got quite terrifying being like Mm -hmm. when's our next product Um, and if we're all in on this lips and it's not quite working yet how do we get to that stage yeah definitely I mean we we had no backup plan so like now we've always got a bit of a backup plan yeah you can pull another product forward yeah but we had we were literally like well what should we do we were like I don't know what do we do We literally just need to make this yeah. work. And we obviously did. And well, the, the incredible product team and Danielle and the guys did. And like they got it right, but it just took so long. And yeah. I just think you just never know how long a product is going to take because like you saying, you, you think you've sent off the brief, you've got it right, and then you get it back and you're like, what is this? This is just completely off. Like yeah. it's nowhere near. It's like start again. So you're starting again over and over and over again. And even just like the factories take four weeks for a formula. So they could be even wrong by the time it touches and you've lost four weeks so it's just a ongoing battle I think with product to kind of get it to a level you're happy with and how did the first ever launch go comparative to what you expected yeah um it did really well um I think what the craziest launch for us was was when everyone got the product and was like oh okay this actually is really good and then we sold out completely it was our relaunch where we were like what just happened like what just happened we were out of stock for like two months we put the product back in stock and it was just like whoa 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 what is going like people went crazy for it and I was just like yeah we were not prepared for that yeah (laughs) but that's also a testament to how much of a not just quote-unquote influencer business based on people buying because Jess is saying this is Mm -hmm. great it's people you know, maybe being aware of the product, first of all, at least at the beginning stages, I would say, you know, there's a huge, I see Refire everywhere, whether it's with Jess or not now, but in terms of kind of being able to go from 
an initial mount purchasing something, which will be the early adopters, the, you know, the fans, the people who see the amazing marketing, mm-hmm. all of this, and being able to try the product and then come back and be like, I need 10 more. Or like, mm-hmm. I've told all of my friends and now they're mm-hmm. all coming to purchase just shows how different it is creating a influencer business or something that started as an influencer business that isn't just about the influencer Mm -hmm. i think with all of this rise of celebrity skincare lines all of these different kind of beauty lines that every single celebrity seems to have the ones you can tell are going to do really well is it's like almost a coincidence that it happens to be an influencer line. It's a great brand and product regardless. Mm -hmm. And I think when it's kind of obviously not, when it's one of those things that's like, you know, if X percent of their following bought it, great. But like, are they going to repeat in the same way? Have we made the same investment into like brand and actual efficacy of the product and all of these things? And you can really tell with Refai that you've spent so much time, like whether no matter how people found out about it, it's clearly an incredible product and brand and there's something they can buy into and that kind of dependent, like no matter what, which is obviously always the aim when kind of starting from that standpoint. Definitely. And I feel like Jess as well, and I'm not sure how you're obviously heavily involved in yours as well. It's like, you can tell the the brands where they're not involved. Yeah, like, where it's a face situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what makes Refai as well so different. It's like, I thought I was a massive perfectionist and I met Jess. I'm like, you joke. Like, I'm like, we're ready to sign this off. She's like, no, we need to change this. And I'm like, I didn't even notice that. And I was like, yeah, I thought yeah, I was crazy. Yeah. I was like, so she is like literally putting her stamp and standard, which is so premium on everything. So like, yeah. if she's not happy with it, it's not going anywhere. And I think people do follow Jess for that level of like her style and everything is just it's it's lovely to see it and I think you know you're getting that standard and I think that's what you obviously do with your brand I think you can just tell when people are in it and making it to their standard yeah no a hundred percent and it's one of those things where everyone can use a certain amount of marketing but the actual like multiplier effect on the demand of that marketing based on like how much concentration there's been on brand and product and you can really tell when it's you know people in a back room making something and then they're stamping it on their page um it's so clearly not that and it's so you know the synergy between jess and the product and the product and the brand and all of these things has just been executed so so well if you could do it all again from that initial stage what are the main things that you would do differently if anything the people piece mm-hmm. I think I massively overstretched the team I mean this team is still overstretched but we, we're fixing it and we're working yeah. to hire more staff but like back then I'd have like the creative trying to do customer service on social and yeah. just like yeah, yeah. I mean I was doing the customer service I was waking up at we had like one time where people were just gone really wild on our customer service and I was waking up at 5am to check the customer service on Instagram in case people had started going crazy or something and it was just like okay we could have just hired more customer service people mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just almost think you don't need it and then you're like no this is crazy we we definitely need it so I think just a bit better in infrastructure definitely um knowing that it was going to be this big which you you don't know but just yeah if like I always think now if I'm about to start another company which I'm not um, <laughs> just for clarification. if I was going to I would have my infrastructure Per, not perfect, but as good as it could be so that mm-hmm. it's ready for when it scales and not trying to scrumble. And I think we're just getting to a stage now where we, we, we're getting it solid and it's two years where I'd love to have just been like, maybe it's got financial backing and being able to build a team so it's like we're ready we're ready to run type mm-hmm. thing instead of we're running, yeah. jump on board. <laughs> but it, yeah, at the same time, it's it's always kind of grass is always greener, isn't it? And mm-hmm. like hindsight is twenty twenty, all of those types of things. But like 
also if you'd given away equity at the beginning to get like a little bit of financial backing like yeah. they would have had a piece of this pie that's like fucking huge now and mm. like you deserve like obviously that would have been still kind of deserving from an investment point of view but it's like you have done so well self-funded that even if you look back and go like I wish we just had a little bit more to like hire a few more people I can also see why it's worked so well that you've done yeah. it how it is so it's really easy always I guess to look back and be like oh should have done this but mm. I guess yeah. wouldn't have known I it, it's so funny you saying that about but I like customer service thing I remember probably similar thing you know that like wake up in the middle of the night and be like you just have like this thought and you're like what if someone's like just like everyone's going mad about this and I just remember this like when Tala really started to blow up I remember any time I was like you know those times where you just like can't check your phone like if I was like stupid things like I was getting my lashes done or like I was in a you know like meeting where I didn't have my phone or like a doctor's appointment or like a massage like literally anything where you literally can't mm -hmm. like can't use your phone always like halfway through it, I'd be like oh my god <laughs> like something's gonna have happened <laughs> like something's gonna have happened and I'm gonna come out of this like fuck it's so funny when you look back at those times and you're like god it's like living completely yeah. on edge at yeah all literally times. I mean we we had one time and I remember I was in Aldi car park and I was just having a breakdown because someone was just being so mean on customer service to me and I was like I think I hadn't slept we were just as yeah. we were launching I was just like I can't cope with this and that, yeah. was, that was the bit that would break me that yeah. person on customer service I was like this is it this is it I'm in Aldi car park doesn't want them. I'm done <laughs> That's so funny. And yeah, like looking back at all of those things, it's like, how did I even like live through this point? Yeah. Like it seems like very insane that I would have had to, um, you know, that I kind of managed to make it through <laughs> that. Since that inception point, and you are a team of 50, is that right? Yeah, just under 50, yeah. That is insane. Is that Rafai and Shrine separately? Um, that's together. So it's right. about, well, most people kind of, some people are split. We are separating them out mm. now. So it's, yeah, about... 40, 50, yeah. Incredible. And how did you know what the right hires were at the right time? Yeah, I think this is a really, um, really good topic because I do feel like it's a question I get asked a lot, like how do you know what to hire? And I think what's really important is knowing the level of your business and what that business needs at that level. Right. Like when you're first starting out, you don't need five seniors that are specialists you need one person who can graft and right. do it all yeah. and just like literally throw the hands in yeah. be on customer service be organizing a contract with a massive retailer and just being like your sounding board too yeah. like you need that person that's willing to just get the hands dirty yeah. then when you start getting bigger you're like okay we can't all run like this because then you've got five ten people that are all a bit entrepreneurial and yeah. very generalist and everyone's just a bit like oh, i'll get involved with that. i'll do a bit of this yeah. and it works for a certain point, but then you're like, no, we need some structure now. So I think you just understand the level you're at and then be like, okay, now we're at a level that we want to get to this level. What do we need for this? And what we do is we build out kind of our structure depending on what our goal is. So our goal is to be um, a global beauty brand that focuses on destination retail, but then obviously having a really strong online presence as well. So it's like then we build our structure. What do we need? Okay, we need a specialist in retail. Mm -hmm. We need a specialist in .com. We need a specialist in product. We need a specialist in brand. Um, we need a specialist in finance and operations. Um, we need a specialist in sales. So it's like we need these specialists and then we bring them in and then they then build out their team. So I used to get so involved in all the details. Someone would be hiring, mm. I'd be like, do you think they should do this? Do you think I should do that? And now I'd go, you know it. Yeah, I trust you know you. what you like, need in your team. I've yeah. learned now. And I think having a child's really helped to just get less out of the little mm. bits because 
I mean, even this morning, Jess on a call with the team and talking about social, and I try and not be so in the day on that anymore. And he seems like he's saying, oh, I've got an idea. And I've got an idea. I'm just, just shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> Do you know, I irritate myself. I'm like, just get away and just stick to what you're doing. And it's so easy to just like get so involved, but you've got to, as you evolve, get out of it, get out yeah. of it and just trust people to just do it. Yeah. What are the biggest hiring mistakes you've made? Um, not describing our culture well enough. Right. Looking at a CV versus a, a personality trait, um, explaining how I work. You know what I mean? I've hired people. I'm like, God, I can't work with you. You can't work with me. Like they've come from corporate. I'm I'm crackers to work with. Do you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a bit all over the a bit. I'm massively all over the shop. I know where I'm going. Yeah. But like I'm not. Like, I have to be laughing. I can't take things too seriously. When people come in, they're very serious. They're very corporate. They're like. Yeah. what is this <laughs> and it's it goes both ways as well it's like they're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to exactly. enjoy it it's not just for the company yeah. I feel like this is one of the things I feel like the biggest hiring mistakes I've made is always that like culture fit versus experience level but also on top of that it's like I used to really try and make the company sound as amazing as possible in any of those things because it's like please come and join us mm -hmm. like we think you know and it's someone from this huge company and you're like no no, no please like it's gonna be amazing and you think like wow they're gonna take us to that level and actually just being like I would much rather everyone know all of the really good things and all of the really bad things because chances are if you like miss sell something or you just like really over egg it because you're so passionate about it mm -hmm. and someone comes in it's worth I'd rather not have that person take the job than them leave in three months. Definitely. Like, it kills both of you and it costs so much to hire and so much time and so much resource and the team gets overstretched. But I feel like I wish I'd known that. I wish yeah. I'd known not to just like... Hiring is the biggest thing that if someone wants to write a book on it, please do because I will buy it and I'll read it. Like, you just... You either get it right and you get it really right yeah. or you just get it really, really, really wrong. There's no in between. I also kind of feel like you have to make a certain amount of the wrong ones to really understand it because I feel like I try to listen to like every single podcast about hiring, every single audio book, like all of these things. And they said all of these things. They said like hire fast, fire fast. They said hire for culture fit and, and like attitude, not experience and like all of these things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like writing down the notes and every single time I do the thing that you naturally do, which is hire the person with with the bigger names who like feels like really serious and you need a bit more structure in your company and all of those things and I kind of feel like you need to be able to go through them because otherwise you don't really understand why it was a bad idea definitely definitely and I think panic hiring as well the amount of times I've panicked because I'm like I'm overstretched I need that person and I just I'm blindsided I'm yeah. literally like I can see all the negatives in it but I'm like I'm desperate yeah and then you straight away you're like they're not right we've been kind of scaling this past year and like for the past six months have you know I think yeah I think pretty much doubled headcount but within wow, that time there's been so many jobs that have taken like four five months to hire and like it's so tempting when I'm doing like a final stage interview to just be like it could work like it it could like chances are it's not going to blow up in flames so I'm like like and yeah, it's so close all the time and it's like you know you know it's not going to work or you mm -hmm. know there's like a big attitude thing that's like very different from the way mm -hmm. the company works and I feel like with startups as well you have to have people who take pleasure in mucking in mm -hmm. and just like getting stuck in sorting things out when there are issues helping like who believe that a rising tide lifts all boats who really want to kind of like you know they'll see something 
go wrong and they're like okay how can I help all of these things and if you have like a part of the organization that doesn't do that and the rest of people do then it all falls onto the people who do and then they get more overstretched and I feel like just not knowing that that was actually part of the company rather than like a part of some of the people in there I feel like it's so important definitely and I think there's yeah, your people are you, the, the hardest thing in business. Do you know what I mean? Because getting it right, and especially when you're scaling, you've just got to get it right. And I think the interview process is so important. And like you're saying, just being so transparent, like, are you willing to pack boxes? If you're mm. not, not the right company. Yeah. And like, we're extreme now. It's like, are you willing to stay till midnight? No one has to stay till midnight. But I ask these questions. Because right. I want to make sure that if they're like, oh, no, it's like, well, you're not, if you're not willing to ask that, say yes in an interview, you're definitely not willing to because, pack a box for five minutes. <laughs> because it goes both ways, both ways as well. There's like a, there's rose tinted glasses on both sides because people want new jobs and you want new hires. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're looking at it being like, if they think it's, you know, maybe not the right thing, they'll look at it with rose tinted glasses. And then within like six months, we'll probably be like actually no it's not for me I always very much do try especially with those roles we find found like really hard to place I'm like I never want to hire for this person again and therefore like I will tell you all of the worst parts of this job on the spot it's like an anti-interview I remember um interviewing for my EA a few years ago and I just kept like I it was such a hard role to hire from before because it was like a cross between like an EA and a PA. There was like the business stuff, but also the personal stuff and the influencer stuff and all of this. Like it was all over the place. So like a corporate or like legal EA, maybe not exactly the right thing, but also like a personal PA, probably also not the right thing because I might need you to prepare a deck or whatever it might be. So I was just finding it so hard to hire for and it took so long. And I got to the stage where I was like, do you know what? I'm just not going to have one. I'm not going to have one. I can't hire for this anymore. I can't interview a single new person. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Um, And then this, like, recruitment was... um calling me up and be like, please interview this person. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm not, I have no interest in this. And then I, um, they were like, look, she's done the task. So I don't know about you, but I always set tasks like that are going to be like part of the role. We're going to send them through to you. If you have a free second, just look through them. And I look through them. And I'm like, yeah, fine. They're good. Like, <laughs> like, but I'm still not interviewing for it. And I'm too like stressed at the moment because I have no assistant, like all of this. And so I was like, not doing it. And then they were like, please just interview her. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll interview her. It turns out she'd been having the other side too, because she wasn't looking for a job so they had also been being like you're perfect for this please do this and like we've it kind of been on both sides and then we um we had this interview and I sat down and I was like these are the 10 worst parts of the job I was like there's this there's this there's this there's this and she was like and then like I offered her the job a week later and she like accepted she was like great she's like it sounded perfect I love I love this type of work and we've been working together ever since and it's like one of those things where it's like had I sat there and been like, it's so glamorous, you'll get to come on trips with me, like all of these things. It's like, yeah, that's part of it. But there'll also be times where we're having a freak out at fucking 5am, you know, you're coordinating between Tala and Shreddy and like the, you know, the personal business and like all of those various different things. But I feel like there's such a tendency to like oversell on hiring. Definitely, I love like, that. I think that's so, yeah, it's definitely so important just to be like, because as well, I think people get so disheartened if they come into a role and it's not the right fit. But I I see companies as like your partners in life, yeah. your friends in life. Like how many friends do you have? Ex, like, do you know what I mean? 10 max, people have 10 max probably. We might have more. Partner, you probably have one. People might have more. But that's about 11 people. Think how many businesses there are in the world. Not yeah. every business you go in is going to be the perfect fit. And I think it's okay to be like, God, that wasn't for me. Mm. And I think people, it crushes them when they go and they're like, can't do the job. It's like, no, it's just probably not the right place for you. And that is absolutely fine. Like we're finding a connection within business as well as you find a connection within your friends. And if you see it that way, you're actually a bit like, okay, that's okay. Exactly. Like there have been, 
you know when you see people, when friends for example have applied for a job and not got the role but the way they described it in the thing you could tell that they were like saying oh no but this is really great about it and you're like you would hate that like yeah. you would hate that but it's always so disheartening to not get a job mm-hmm. and you always see it in the best way possible because also usually companies will sell it in the best way possible mm-hmm. but actually just being able to see it as like a two-way street and like someone's not going to hire you if you're not the right fit for it and that goes both ways that like you don't want Definitely. to be in something for a, it, it's the most draining and like toughest thing on your mental health being in a job that's like not a good fit for you Definitely. so like kind of going both ways so before we close off I know that you have a newborn um and while I want to really ask about how that's been with running a business I also very much see the difficulty with like how many men have sat down and been like how is it having a newborn with a business obviously assuming that the mother is kind of the primary carer but obviously having a newborn regardless is very difficult I can imagine how have you found the experience of having a newborn and a business um yeah no I love it I mean I absolutely love it and she is a very good baby she slept from two months Jemmy she sleeps from seven till seven so like if she wasn't sleeping I'd find this a lot difficult because I need my sleep yeah um she's very chill She's a good baby. So that is like my disclaimer. This is not yeah. like I've not got a crazy child and I'm doing all this on top. So I've got I've got a good baby. Um, and then I've got support. So she has a nanny. Um, she only does like two days a week, the nanny, sometimes a bit more. My mum and dad come down to help a lot as well. So like I've got support. I definitely couldn't do this without the support because mm. it would be very hard. Um, but no, I, I love it. And I think I, I, I went back a bit too soon, which was mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing I... I would do going forward but you have to plan if you want to leave like do you know yeah. I, mean? so I, pl- I planned for two months and I planned that perfectly of leaving for two months but then I'd only planned two months so I had to come back after two months and I wasn't back full time don't get me wrong um but when you're back you're back as a founder yeah. do you know what I mean like yeah, yeah. I was, I was back after things. a month really in my head anyway um but yeah I think the fourth month when she was about four months I think I went back a bit too intensely and I was like and I just was like oh my god this is so hard why am I doing this to myself and I said Trina just breathe you're the one that's putting this pressure on yourself yeah you're, no one's asking you to do stuff you're just literally creating more and more work for everyone like what are you actually doing and I was like also you can do this you're just telling yourself it's hard and I, I'm a big believer in like you are what you think and I think I could sit here and be like oh my god it's the most stressful thing in the world or I could just try and rationalize with my head and be like what works do that yeah. and I think I'm I try not to overthink it because some weeks are hard and I am yeah. a bit like god what am I doing and then some weeks I'm like no I can do this but that is life yeah <laughs> I'm just doing what works and I think having that attitude is like what's helping where I yeah. think if I was like I want to go to all mummy and baby classes I've been to one yeah and I'll probably never have time to go back again I could sit and cry about that I'll just this this is the life I chose yeah. so I've got to accept it like you've got to have that acceptance and I think I've accepted that having a business you'll never have a real mat leave it doesn't yeah. work but you want this life you've got to accept that and yeah. that's how I make it okay in my head <laughs> yeah no I absolutely love that and it's been I mean I follow you on Instagram it's been such a joy to see oh, um, you. your kind of journey through it all and like the business just going from strength to strength what is the big end goal with Shrine and Refai? Um, so Shrine, we're about to diversify and really delve into the hair world and go down a very much, not super eco, but just reducing waste within mm-hmm. hair care. And that's a really exciting project I'm working on. And then for Refai, it's just absolute global domination and just, yeah. but just brand first, just being that brand that is just yes. And then just staying like at the top of branding. That's kind of where we want to push our boundaries now. Just do things where people are like, 
God, have you seen what they just did? Yeah. Like, that's where, where I want to be. And is there anything that you haven't ticked off yet that you're, that you really want to kind of tick off? Oh, definitely. Like, we're not even scratching the surface. I'm not like, yeah, not even scratching the surface. I'm proud of where it's got to, but I'm like, this is just like the milli steps of where yeah. it's about to become. Oh, well, amazing. Well, thank you so much for oh, joining me. It's been incredibly interesting and I know people will find it very inspiring. So oh, thank, thank you. you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com